Mission Mobilization Chats with Ryan Shaw, Multiplying Mission Mobilization Movements. This podcast is powered by Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Find more exciting resources, teachings, and tools for mission mobilization on globalmmi.net. Welcome to our 11th episode of Mission Mobilization Chats. So in these chats, we are looking at different areas related specifically to mission mobilization. And these are concepts that we don't usually hear talked about uh, very often. And so we want to provide an opportunity to go deep in some specific areas that are uh, really related to mission mobilization. So in this episode, we're going to ground the concept of mission mobilization and the role of a mobilizer in scripture, specifically kind of looking at some people who traditionally were not, are not seen as mobilizers in the Bible, but really they are. They are mobilizers. And so from seeing their example, we're going to hopefully uh, get an idea that this concept of mission mobilization and even the role of a mobilizer is much more central to the theme of the Bible than maybe we've recognized. And so the title of this uh, episode is actually Mobilization, a Central Theme in Scripture. Mobilization, a Central Theme uh, in Scripture. So I've heard over the years, since I've been myself very, very involved in mission mobilization and as a mobilizer myself, I've, I've heard it from many different people. You know, the word mobilization and even this role of a mobilizer, they're, they're never used in the Bible. I've had many people tell me that, you know, the uh, mobilization or the word mobilizer, you never find it in the Bible. And it's absolutely true uh, that this statement or these, um, those words are never actually used in the Bible. Uh, and this actually is a, is a, it coincides with many other words that we use in kind of our modern English uh, Christian vernacular, so to speak, that are actually not in the Bible. So, for example, did you know that the word uh, missionary is never found in the Bible, but the concept is there? And it's the same with mission mobilization or mobilizer. Another example, and this one actually surprised me recently when I, when I saw this for the first time, the word trinity is never actually used in the Bible. It never occurs in the Bible. But the concept and the doctrine of the Trinity is taught and it's affirmed in many, many places, particularly in the New Testament, but even references to the concept or the doctrine, the core doctrine of the Trinity. No one would argue that the doctrine of the Trinity is unimportant uh, to biblical Christianity. No, everyone would say, no, this subject is very, very important to the overall outworking of true biblical Christianity. But the word is never found, actually, in the Bible. The word never occurs. So it's the same with mobilization. It's the same with the role of a mobilizer. And I believe that this is one factor that there is uh, a lot of misunderstanding related to mission mobilization. Or maybe we could say there's uh, not as much value put on mission mobilization as really it needs to be because we say, well, these words 
aren't actually found or don't actually occur uh, in the Bible. But again, the concepts uh, of mobilization, the concept of a mobilizer are very, very strongly implied all the way through from the Old Testament uh, to the New. So what happens is because mobilization doesn't maybe have as much value because the words aren't actually used in the Bible, it's often understood as being peripheral instead of being a central, important emphasis that the theme of mission mobilization starts in the book of Genesis and it goes all the way through uh, to the book of Revelation. Though those words, mobilization and mobilizer, uh, are not actually there. The ideas of them, the concepts of mobilization and the mobilizer are constantly, constantly implied uh, throughout Scripture. So it's actually my hope that in the coming years and even in the coming decades, the eyes of many believers, the eyes of many pastors and leaders, even in the body of Christ, will be opened to begin to see the whole sweep of redemptive history being the mobilizer God. That's what I call him. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. The mobilizer God. So the whole sweep of redemptive history is the mobilizer God who is calling his covenant people into being in this age. So it's the mobilizer God who's creating something. And Paul talked about this in the book of Ephesians and elsewhere. The mystery of the global church, the mystery of this entity that the Old Testament prophets never really foresaw in a clear-cut way. Well, this is what the mobilizer God is doing. He brought the church into being in this age, and then he's constantly mobilizing the church over and over in every generation, in every era, with every uh, ministry structure. He's mobilizing us in order to align us with his global purpose and with his aims. And in doing so, he's mobilizing us actually to reveal his glory and to reveal his plans to all the families of the earth. You remember that verse in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. This is the Abrahamic covenant that God gave to Abraham with the promise to Abraham that through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That is the goal of the mobilizer God. So the mobilizer God is wooing or beckoning or attracting his church to himself to become fully aligned with this global purpose that he has on his heart, this end goal of blessing all the families of the earth through the church, which is this entity that he has created uh, in and through Pentecost. But that's not even the end. That's just the condition for then the second coming of Christ, the ushering in the fullness of the kingdom of God. And so we see the mobilizer God in action moving us forward. Now, this is not at this point in kind of the church's understanding of mission and of mission mobilization. This is not an idea that we yet are very comfortable with or even aware of. This idea of seeing God as the mobilizer God. But 
I am convinced that in the coming years and the coming decades, many more church leaders, many, not just a few missionary types understanding this concept, but that this concept will become more and more rooted in the church as a whole globally so that leaders and denominations and ministry structures are viewing the purpose of God through this lens of God as the mobilizer God, bringing into being his global church for a specific end, for a specific purpose. That purpose is blessing all the families of the earth. And in doing so, that's the condition then for the second coming of Christ to come forth and uh, the fullness of the kingdom as is prophesied all through the Old Testament and through uh, the New Testament. I believe this is a significant perspective on who God is and the character and the purpose of God that is being, for the most part, overlooked right now in our kind of church understanding. So I want to talk about three distinct persons, you can say, I've already started to talk about one of them, who in the Bible is uh, seen to be very strong as a mobilizer. We're going to talk about God. We already started a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit further about God as the ultimate mobilizer. Then we're going to look at Jesus as uh, a very, very, as, as, as a mobilizer being a primary purpose that Jesus had. Now, we don't look at Jesus in that way usually. And the third person we're going to look at related to this subject is Paul. Because Paul the Apostle was very much, before anything else, he was a mobilizer. Now again, you never see that word in Scripture related to him. Uh, most of the time when we talk about the Apostle Paul, we cite him as being the great missionary, right? The great church planter. And those are all absolutely true. But above all of those roles, he was a mobilizer. He was mobilizing the church to become all that God intends her to be so that the church can be used as the vessel to bring about the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So in doing that, he was the, the greatest mobilizer in terms of outside of the Godhead, outside of the Trinity, the Father being the ultimate mobilizer, the Son being a glorious mobilizer, and then uh, Paul the Apostle. So let's look a little bit at each one of these three. So the first one, we've already started touching on God as the ultimate uh, mobilizer. So we know that God is ever seeking to beckon and to woo every believer and every local ministry. So remember, God doesn't just see us as individuals. He does, obviously. He relates with us as individual people, but he also sees us as his corporate people. He sees us as the corporate body of Christ. And so he's relating with us as believers. He's wooing us as believers, but he's also wooing and attracting and, and beckoning us as ministry structures. And what is he beckoning us to do? To come into agreement with his will. Both his big picture will of the coming kingdom of God, but then also the individual or the, the corporate level of his will of each church, each ministry structure coming fully into alignment, submitting ourselves and our lives for his glorious purpose in the earth. Right now, most believers are not aware of the grand redemptive storyline that their lives are a part of. 
They're completely disconnected. They're just told, well, come get born again. When you, go to, uh, when you die, you're going to go to heaven someday. Praise God. But there's so much more. We are a part of a storyline, a narrative that is the very heartbeat of God. And he's wanting us to come into alignment with that as individual people so that we see our lives as part of his grand story, but then also as local ministries. So our local church and our entire ministry structure, our denomination, our church network, or whatever, that whole group is in existence for the glory of God among all the ethnic families on the earth. That is the storyline of why we exist. And God is the ultimate mobilizer calling those entities to come into agreement with his purpose. Now again, we don't hear this stuff talked about in this way very often. And that's what we believe needs to change. The paradigm needs to change because mission mobilization will never become what God intended it to become if it's defined as just recruiting a few missionaries to join our organization and be sent out. No, it's comprehensive. Mission mobilization is the mobilizer God who set it all into motion and who exists to empower the church to align with his own plans and purposes in bringing redemptive history really to a close. So he will not do it by himself. God will not reach all the unreached peoples by himself. He set up his kingdom in that way that he will not violate that. That is his purpose through his church. So by changing our perspective slightly, even just a little bit, it is possible to see God's redemptive purpose throughout history as his mission mobilization effort. Okay, let me say that again. We want to see God's redemptive purpose throughout history as a mission mobilization effort. So he started this effort all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. We've already looked a little bit at part of the promise. He started this through mobilizing Abraham. God mobilized Abraham. And through that, he set in motion his plan to create a covenant people. That was his purpose in calling uh, Abraham forth. It wasn't just Abraham who would be the father of our faith, all those things. He would be, but he was the starting point of bringing to birth a covenant people who came to be known as Israel, whom God purposed to serve as a community in order to bless the nations. That was the purpose on the heart of God for the family line of Abraham, for the Israelite purpose. And so when Israel multiplied in the land of Egypt and Pharaoh cracked down on them and enslaved them, God in time, he set up circumstances then that mobilized them. We can use that language. Now, again, it's not, it's not commonly used in that way. But if we turn things just a little bit, we can use our mobilization language to fully understand the redemptive process of God uh, throughout even biblical history. So God was mobilizing the Israelites to flee Egypt. Now, it took a lot of work because Pharaoh was holding on to them very, very strongly. But remember, many of them, they were the Israelites, I mean, they were also afraid to leave. They had a situation that was 
understood when they were enslaved in Egypt. Many of their generations had been raised like this. They didn't know anything else. So the idea of being a free people was full of uncertainty. And so God had to use some, some methods, you could say, to mobilize his people to flee Egypt and then to move towards coming into the promised land. And that process of mobilizing them into the promised land, it took a lot longer than God had planned. You remember they were in the wilderness complaining and grumbling for many years, 40 years, it says. God never intended that. He wanted them to move much quicker, but they were rejecting and rebelling against his plans and his purposes. So Israel... Coming into the promised land is meant by the Holy Spirit to be a very vivid biblical picture that represents the global church mobilized to reach the unreached peoples of the world. So that that image or that picture in the old uh, covenant of Israel coming out of Egypt, Israel being established as a people, Israel coming into the promised land. This is meant to, when we read that, we are meant to see it as a picture of the global church being mobilized and reaching the unreached peoples of the world. Now, a lot of that imagery in the Bible, uh, it's war imagery, it's battle imagery. They are, the Israelites are conquering other peoples. Now, obviously, in the New Covenant, we're not conquering peoples, but the idea of coming into the promised land, the fullness of what God has intended for all the peoples of the world, those images in the Old Testament are meant to cause us to say, yes, God, you could do that also again through your global church, uh, reaching all the unreached peoples of the world. And so at each stage of the Old Testament, when Israel is being developed, starting with uh, Abraham, going to Moses, to the judges, uh, to the kings, when David became king, and all the other kings that came after him, even to the prophets, all this process of the Old Testament, there was a mobilization process that was taking place where God mobilized certain key individuals as well as Uh, He intervened with some very important kingdom processes along the way. But he always had in his heart the focus of this global redemptive purpose. And so all of redemptive history in the Old uh, Testament, the Old Covenant, is working towards this global purpose. This, uh, This purpose among all the ethnic peoples that he has on his heart started back. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, through the person of Abraham, the very first one that he mobilized. So God is seen throughout the whole process to be mobilizing even the prophets. You remember when it got to the the prophetic realm uh, or the prophetic era and the prophets were raised up and they really were mobilizers. Because remember, their purpose was always to call Israel back to the heart of God, to align with the heart of God, with the purpose of God in their generation. Now, the vast majority of Israel rejected the mobilization process, first of God, but then also of the prophets that God raised up. They rejected this. And it's like many of us as mobilizers today. Sometimes we feel like the church just isn't wanting to hear this message 
of God's global heartbeat, his passion for the nations. This mobilizer God who wants to call forth the uh, global church today to focus on their priority, fulfilling the great commission in this generation. We often feel the same. And yet God's mobilization process or plan continues to move forward. So that's a little look at an Old Testament understanding of God as the mobilizer God, the ultimate mobilizer. Then, when we move forward into the New Testament, Jesus comes onto the scene and he implemented his own mobilization plan and process, now with a, a slightly different angle. Now, it's, it's really not, I want you to get this in your mind, it's not as far-fetched as you might kind of initially think to see Jesus as a great mobilizer. Jesus was at his, uh, at his essence, at his core, he was a great mobilizer. How did he do this? Well, initially he called the 12 disciples, right? His calling of these 12 can be seen as foundational mobilization. And his purpose was to pour into these 12 and train, train them over this three-year time frame. What were they being trained for during that time? Jesus knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew he was going to be raised from the dead. He knew he was going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. He knew that he was then going to pour out his spirit on these 12 or the 11, uh, once Judas betrayed Je uh, Jesus, it went down to 11. So he knew he was going to empower this group of leaders when he was gone, when he was off the scene, and that they were going to go forth as the people to turn the world upside down, right? As it says uh, in the book of Acts. So he had a very clear purpose on his heart uh, when he was training these 12 during that three-year time frame. He knew they would lead the church forward into fulfilling the Great Commission upon his own ascension and upon his pouring out of the Spirit in Acts uh, chapter 2. So what Jesus was doing through his ministry was training the apostolic leaders who would in time turn the world upside down by spreading the gospel far and wide among the unreached people of the day. They were all the Gentile people. Now, in Jesus' own ministry, he didn't focus on the Gentiles. In his three-year ministry, he was focused on Israel, and he was focused on training the new leadership that would be in place once he himself uh, ascended to the right hand uh, of the Father. So Jesus in his mobilization ministry can be seen as preparing the way for the future expansion of the kingdom of God by teaching, by coaching, by mentoring, by modeling the life of the kingdom of God uh, in motion, in his own being, in his own life, and his 12 disciples watching this constantly during this three-year process. And so Jesus was, uh, throughout his ministry, he was constantly seeking to get the 12 disciples and the other disciples that, will that would join that group. There was many more than just the immediate 12. We know that. So he was constantly trying to get their eyes off of their own circumstances. You know, we know that our natural human default is to be very self-centered, right? To be focused on our own uh, situations, our own circumstances, our own needs, our own problems. 
But Jesus, in his three-year ministry, in his ministry of mobilization with these disciples, the 12 and then the wider circles of disciples, he was trying to get their eyes off of their own circumstances. Trying to mobilize them to come into alignment with his big picture purposes. And this is the same as what he's calling the church to be about today. Because we often are guilty of what I call having tunnel vision. Even as Christians, even as churches, we just focus on whatever is directly in front of us, kind of like a horse that has those blinders on either side of their, their eyes so they can't see the periphery out here. All they can see is what is directly in front of them. We have tunnel vision. But Jesus, as the great mobilizer, he's trying to get us off that. Look to the left, look to the right. See my big picture purposes and come into agreement with those plans. And those plans at their core, again, back to that Genesis chapter 12, uh, covenant that God made with Abraham to bless all the nations, to be a blessing to all the ethnic families, not just Israel, but to be a blessing to all the ethnic families of the earth. So Jesus' earthly ministry was primarily focused on teaching the gospel of the kingdom uh, to the Israelites, which would pave the way then for his own followers to take up this multidimensional message and take it to all the nations. Okay, And that's what happened. That's the starting point of what happened in the book uh, of Acts, this exciting missiological book, the book of Acts, where those disciples began to move forward uh, with the plan of God, with the plan of Jesus, focused on all the unreached peoples uh, that are around them. This is our call. And so Jesus was a great mobilizer in his own uh, earthly ministry. Now let's take a look with our remaining little bit of time here on the Apostle Paul. So Paul, too, had a primary calling as a mobilizer. So in his ministry of pioneer church planting, it was very evident that everything that Paul was setting his hand to was toward the purpose, was toward the end of planting small communities of believers in many cities. And his purpose was that these small uh, communities of believers would grow and would multiply themselves out in concentric circles. So I like to look at Paul's ministry like a ripple effect. You know, you throw a stone into a, uh, a pond, right? Or a lake that's completely calm. And what happens? That stone creates a ripple effect of circles that are going out. Well, that was Paul's uh, heartbeat in planting every one of these small communities of believers, okay, was that they would multiply themselves and reproduce themselves farther and farther out, going out to all uh, the ethnic people groups. So what Paul was doing through his ministry of church planting was seeking to instill the life, within the life of every church, the spiritual depth of who the church was meant to be in Jesus and who individual believers are meant to be in Jesus. And then as a result of who, of uh, what or who we are becoming in Christ, we then influence and we touch many other people's lives that are around us. And this is the practical outworking of the church 
as a missionary community. The church was never meant to be seen as being in a room with four walls and inviting those on the outside into the four walls called a, a, a church, the building as a church. That was never, that's never communicated anywhere in the New Testament. No, the church is meant to be going out to where the people are, meeting the people as a missionary community and then discipling them there, where, where the people are actually at. And this was always the vision of Paul in his church planting strategy. It wasn't just plant one church and oh, praise God, uh, isn't that wonderful, we have a church. No, it was never that, that was never the end goal. The church was the beginning point to then see an outworking of the missionary community that is the nature of who we are as the global church and then as individual local churches. That's our nature. Our nature isn't just to be kind of us four and no more or whatever the number might be, uh, kind of gathering together in a building and just singing hymns to God. That's not the, the vision of who he is or, or what the nature of who we are is. And Paul completely understood this. Paul had a very clear revelation of the church being the missionary community. And so everything he, he did was to mobilize a right understanding of who we are so that we then influence and reproduce ourselves in many, many other people. So Paul's apostolic teaching ministry had mission mobilization actually at its core. And again, we don't usually think of that when we think of Paul the great apostle. He was a mobilizer. Mission mobilization was the, the emphasis of everything uh, that Paul did. But if we're going to see it like that, we have to broaden our understanding of mission mobilization. It can't be this very thin idea of recruiting a few people out of the church who then go out and are sent out as missionaries. No, the whole church is meant to be a missionary community and then some from the community will go out into other parts of the same city in other parts of the same country and then obviously crossing cultural barriers and even geopolitical barriers, planting churches uh, even beyond, uh, farther beyond where the gospel has not gone. You remember that was Paul's method. I never want to build, he said, on another man's foundation. What did he mean by that? He meant I'm going to unreached people groups. I'm always pressing beyond in my mobilization, in my church planting to raise up the church. And so he goes to unreached, preaches the gospel. Some come into the kingdom. They, they plant a church and immediately those new believers are discipled and taught the importance of mission mobilization to use our uh, modern day terms now. So this was the strategy that Paul uh, always had. And this is why Paul used this strategy so well that this is why in Acts chapter 19, it can be said that within two years, two years, very short period of time, the kingdom of God had spread literally all over Asia Minor. Acts chapter 19, verse 10. Go look at that yourself. That in two years, the gospel, through using Paul's apostolic church planting movement method, which meant training the churches in mission mobilization and then reproducing them as they themselves went out as mobilizers and as message bearers. 
that within two years, the gospel had gone all over Asia Minor. So it could be said there was nobody living in Asia Minor in that geographical region at that time. There was no one who had not heard the gospel of the kingdom in a very personal and a very profound way. Wow, that is outstanding that in two years this happened. Why? Because Paul had a vision not only of church planting, he did have a vision of church planting, but his vision of church planting was part of his overarching vision of mission mobilization to see the church become who she is called to be. To see the church come into the fullness of her nature as a dynamic missionary community constantly reproducing itself over and over and over again. So let me say a very important statement again. Paul's theology, he understood the essence of the nature of the church, which is the big study of church, is called ecclesiology, right? The study of what the nature of the church really is, is about. So Paul's ecclesiology was that the purpose of the church is expanding the experiential reality of the kingdom of God among all the ethnic people groups. So his ecclesiology was, his ecclesiology was mixed with missiology and a mission mobilization theology as well. All of those were completely combined in Paul's understanding uh, of what the church exists to be about. So, in closing, mission mobilization is coming into agreement, helping the church, calling the global church to come into agreement with the focal points of God's redemptive narrative in Scripture. His narrative is already there from Genesis to Revelation, the redemptive history and plan of God. Now, what mission mobilization does is help the church to come into alignment with that narrative, with that storyline uh, of the entire uh, gospel account. It's all right there in the Bible, but the church hasn't seen it in this way. The church has not understood that God is the mobilizer God, that God's work primarily is mission mobilization. So our work in mission mobilization in all of our organizations, in all of our denominations, in all of our local churches, is to help believers, is to help local churches come into agreement with God's redemptive storyline throughout the Bible. God's pattern for his global church is actually quite simple. We've made it so complex in kind of our, our modern trappings in what we call church today. But at its basic level, the people of God are call, called to align with two priorities that are on the heart of God. The first, we know it, it's called the great commandment. Jesus gave it as the great mobilizer. He said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he called that the great commandment. He said this is the greatest one. This is the one you need to put priority on. So if we're loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength as the church, guess what happens? There's a natural result with the global church growing in the great commandment. That natural result is the great commission. And that was the second top priority that Jesus gave to his church. That he wants the global church emphasizing the great commandment, which uh, flows out or which results always in 
the people of God functioning rightly in the Great Commission, reaching all the unreached people groups. This is who we are as mission mobilizers, calling uh, the global church to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, which always, 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 if we're sincere in this, it will always result in the people of God moving out to fulfill the Great Commission. And these are the two highest uh, callings on the global church. That's what we have to be about as mission mobilizers and as the work of mission mobilization. So these are foundational elements in the heart of God as God goes about mobilizing a global people. That's what he's wanting to do right now. Mobilize a global people, not just a few missionaries. That's not the goal here. The goal is for God to mobilize a global people who are joyfully, faithfully, and obediently partnering with his will to see the fulfillment of the Great Commission in this age, or we could say in this generation. That's the will of God. That's where he's moving things as the great mobilizer. So let me close us uh, in prayer. Just seal these things in our hearts a little bit. Father, we thank you for this maybe new perspective for some. Lord, of seeing you, the Father, of seeing you, Jesus, as the Son, seeing your primary purpose as being a mobilizer. Lord, we have to think a little differently about mobilization to, to, to see that clearly, but it is absolutely there and it is absolutely core to who you are. So Lord, I ask, Father, that you would release an impartation, an understanding. Lord, even as uh, Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter one for the church at Ephesus, Lord, that you would release that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Lord, that we as your global church would begin to see you from the right perspective as a God who's mobilizing his people. Lord, not that we are doing something as mobilizers, Lord, that is outside of what you're about. No, this is central to who you are and what you're about. Lord, again, even though the term mobilization and mobilizer never appears in Scripture, Lord, we see the concepts all the way through. Lord, we thank you for this. We ask for understanding, more clarity about these subjects, Lord, so that we ourselves can understand them and then teach them to others as well. Lord, we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, come and teach us more and more about these subjects that we've looked a little bit at uh, today in this podcast episode. We love you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I trust you have seen some fresh ideas and seen that they are rooted in the Word of God, not only in the Word of God, but in who God is. The essence of His very being is mission mobilization. Amen. May the Lord bless you today. To listen to more Mission Mobilization chats, subscribe on YouTube or go to globalmmi.net.